0: you're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration, we try to provide some hope, and we help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to DecidedlyDry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 28, my sweet listeners. Today's guest is Jennifer Matu Blessington. She is a high school English teacher and the author of several young adult novels, one of which was turned into a Netflix movie. Maybe you've seen it. The title is Moxie. Not only was it picked up by Netflix, it was directed by the Amy Poehler. How flipping cool is that? Jennifer lives in Houston with her husband and son, and she, you guys, she was just an absolute delight to interview one of my favorite chats so far, hands down. I really, really hope that you enjoy today's episode and thank you again for pushing play. Welcome back, everybody. This is Jess with Decidedly Dry and today I am excited to have Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Jess. I'm happy to be here. I am so excited that you're here and um, just so excited to hear your story. So thank you in advance. <laughs> well, thank um, you for thank you for inviting me to share it. Absolutely. So um, I'll just kind of give a little intro. Jennifer and I know each other through the Sober Mom Squad, and I have been lucky enough to hear bits and pieces of your story or shares from time to time when I was a part of the group. And so um, this will be just great to see to see the whole picture and uh, hear all the details. So let's dive in. <laughs> Excellent. Let's do it. All right. So this is kind of the part where you tell listeners about yourself. So who you are, if you have kids, where you live, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. So um, I am, my name is Jennifer Mathieu Blessington. Um, I'm 45, uh, originally from the East coast. I went to college in Chicago and now uh, Houston, Texas is my home. I've lived here um, for over 20 years. And my husband and I have been together for almost all of that time. Um, And we have a 12 year old son and a dog and a cat and I am a high school English teacher. I'm heading into my 18th year in the classroom, and I also, um, write novels for young adults, uh, under my maiden name, under the name Jennifer Mathieu. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Um, I'm a type A ambivert. and more introverted than extroverted. <laughs> uh, people, recovering people pleaser, um, and uh, excited to be here with you to talk about oh, uh, my
0: story. I'm so excited. And that's a lot. I mean, just having a full-time <laughs> job and being a mom yeah. and an author. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm always amazed when I hear all the different hats that a lot of us wear. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about your history with alcohol. Uh, so when did you start and when did your relationship start to shift? Yeah, so
1: um, I've kind of like, upon reflection, and I've been sober now for um, a little over 16 months, my sobriety date is March 6, 2021. Um, and I've kind of carved out my drinking into sort of like three stages, if I have to think about it. Um, I didn't drink in, in high school. Um, I have some addiction in my family tree. And I don't think that really factored into my decision not to drink in high school. It just wasn't part of my peer group. I knew it was going on, but it just, it wasn't around the, the, the kids that I hung out with. I went to college when I was 17 and pretty quickly fell into sort of like the classic um, college, you know, party scene. Um, I'm, I'm an anxious person. I've always been a worrier as a little kid. I had panic attacks and, um, I found that alcohol, um, you know, at least initially, of course I came to learn later, it's not really true, but it made me feel less anxious. Um, and I, and I thought it made me funnier and charming and, you know, relax me and all of those, you know, sort of stories that we tell ourselves about drinking. Um, and really through my, um, my mid twenties, I kind of drank like like the classic young person it was a lot of social drinking it was a lot of going out it was a lot of binge drinking some blackouts um the ha- horrible hangovers and i just kind of thought well this is part of being young i i could keep a six pack of beer in my refrigerator when i was 21 or 22 years old and it could last me a month i didn't drink at home i didn't drink alone um so i kind of just thought well this is how drinking is and and i probably drank more than the average person i loved to go out i love live music i love i i I I and I and I drank. I mean, I was a heavy drinker as a young person, but it seemed sort of normal at the time. Mm. Of course, now I know that there's lots of young people that don't drink. And that's be- <laughs> right. that's actually becoming more common, thankfully. But um, so you know, I I I went out and then I kind of transitioned into stage two. Um, my husband and I, um, when I was 28, I became uh, a a teacher. And that first year in the classroom, my husband and I got married. And we bought our first house and we started talking about having a kid and you know i'm like okay i'm a grown-up now and um i remember um my first year in the classroom going to hear a band play on a thursday night and going to school with a hangover um and being like okay jennifer you can't do this anymore you're a grown-up now you're married you have a house you have a job and um and so you know i kind of transitioned into this phase of drinking that i think felt the most um I guess I hate to use the word normal, but probably when my drinking felt probably the most under the the parameters that we would consider as normal, um, I started. You know, I thought, well, I'm a grown-up now, so I keep wine in the house. I might pour myself a glass of wine when I was making dinner. I joined a book club. I'd meet friends for drinks. Um, you know, go to happy hour with colleagues, and I'm like, oh, this is this is drinking as an adult, right? Mm-hmm. But I noticed even then, and this, this period of time probably stretched from my late twenties to my late thirties, including becoming a mother. I stayed sober during my pregnancy. That was not hard for me to do. Um, And so another, I must be a normal drinker, but something that happened to me during stage two was that I always noticed that I wanted a little more, Mm -hmm. you know, I was the first person to finish my glass of wine at book club. And I remember sort of sitting on my hands waiting, like, when's the next you know, when, when, when would it not look weird for me to pour myself a little more, you know mm. um, happy hour. I would, you know, I'd have two drinks and I think, God, could I have a third? I got to drive. And maybe if I stay a little longer, you know? Um, and so I, I was always, and I would do things like dry January's to kind of prove to myself, of course I white knuckled it, but there were these moments where I thought, you know, something just like, it just doesn't feel like I'm a hundred percent normal, but then I, I could do things like dry January. So I would be like, and I, and I wouldn't pour the second glass of wine, right? So I'm like, well, maybe I'm okay. But my mind was preoccupied with alcohol during that stage. And then I moved, I think, into stage three, and this was triggered by something really amazing in my life, which is that when I was in my late thirties, my my author career took off. I'm a lifelong writer, um, and I had always had this dream of publishing a novel, and after a lot of stops and starts, um, my first novel came out in 2014, and it was amazing, and my career as a young adult author and a creative person has been incredibly fulfilling in ways that I never imagined it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, But it, all of a sudden I had a second job. Um, Authors are not millionaires. A lot of people think, you know, and one of my books got made into a movie on Netflix, right. And people think, well, then why don't you live in a mansion? Right. Um, And, you know, certainly it's, I've had an income from my writing, but it's, it's never as much as people think. Mm -hmm. And, um, and also I didn't want to quit my job as a teacher. I love being a teacher. Uh, My husband's a blue collar guy. It didn't make sense to give up one of our salaries. And so, while I was blessed to suddenly have this amazing new job, I all of a sudden had two jobs and this coincided with my, um, our son starting school. And, you know, I grew up with a stay-at-home mom that was the president of the PTA and the room mom and went on all the field trips. So I thought, well, I, I guess I have to do that too, even though I had two jobs and my, you know, my mom didn't work outside the home. So to put it kind of to, to make it a long story short, I really started to burn the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. And I started to, um, stretch myself so thin. And as a people pleaser, as someone who doesn't like to disappoint other people who is constantly putting herself on the back burner, I, I found myself, you know, commitments and requests would start to snowball and, 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 breed. And suddenly I just, I have this memory of sitting in a faculty meeting with my day planner open and a colleague looking at my planner and she went, whoa, because mm-hmm. it was so packed. And so how did I cope with this? I coped with drinking. Um, It became my self-care, what I thought was self-care. It became my reward um, to deal with resentment when I said yes to things I didn't really want to do and so on. and I started to drink in a way that was really problematic. Did I ever lose my job? Did I ever get a DUI? No, but I found myself coming home from work at 4.30 and literally the first thing I would do was pour a drink. Like, I mean, to walk right to the fridge. Yeah. Um, I started to do things like I would go to book club and I, I would have two drinks before I went to book club hmm. so that I could just have one glass and look normal. And then I would go home and drink more. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about quitting or that's a different question, but where I was toward the end of my sort of drinking career, as I put it is I was thinking about alcohol all the time. And I was thinking about when I was having it, when I could have it, I tried every moderation game in the book, which was the mental gymnastics of moderation are more exhausting and difficult than the early days of sobriety, or at least they were for me, you know, and, um, it just i tried to quit a couple times i mean it's just this it, it my mind was just you know waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning covered in sweats um googling am i do i have a problem with alcohol and you know but how can i have a problem with alcohol i'm so successful i've got job two jobs you know I've, i haven't been fired from my job like how could i have a problem but do i have a problem this doesn't feel right and so that's the space where i was when i decided on on march 6 on the morning of march 6 2021 to just stop and it has been one of the biggest blessings of my life. Um, so that's my drinking story. I tried to. Kind of
0: tell you the did great. Version.
1: <laughs>
0: oh my goodness! Well, but I was
1: that classic gray area high wow. achiever, you know, woman that seems to have it all, and in many ways I did have a lot, and I still have a lot. That was my that's my story, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's there's millions of us
0: mm-hmm. out there. Millions, millions, and. Yep. I feel so lucky to hear these stories because, and I'm thankful for your vulnerability and everyone else that puts themselves out there because yeah. our stories are so much the same. You yes, know? yes. So much the same. Yes. But when you're in it, it's right. like there's, oh, it feels you so feel lonely. Like you're all alone. Yeah. And, you and feel so like, much
1: shame. Like there's something yeah. wrong with you, and you must be the only person that feels this way. Yeah. Right.
0: No one else wakes up at three no one else is Googling this.
1: Like, (laughs) right. No No one one else else has ever, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've said this before I went to the PT, I went to a PTO meeting once. Um, and and I sat down in this PTO meeting, which I didn't really want to be at. And I realized I I was buzzed because I had had a drink or two, um, before that meeting. And I remember my, my first sober mom squad meeting where I, I talked about that and other women said, I've done it too. Mm -hmm. And it was like, Oh my God, you know, I'm not alone. You know, yeah. I'm not alone.
0: Yeah. Wow. I get so,
1: goosebumps like remembering that that moment. I
0: know. Yeah. I know. I do too. And I mean, anytime someone tells their story, it's just, it's so moving, you know. And to just have that, it, it does it almost feel like a relief. It's just yes. Like, oh, wow. yes. like, yes. Yes. Like I actually am normal. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> this, is, 100%. this is a hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> so,
1: yes, absolutely.
0: So you woke up you decided Mm -hmm. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Um, how did you remove it? Like, what was that like? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, so I, um, it's funny because my last night of drinking, I had, I had, and I was, you know, I was a drinker at home. That was my big, I, I mean, I still, I would go out sometimes, but I was, you know, I, I did a lot of my heavy drinking at home, but my last evening of drinking, I had gotten drunk the night before in my house. Um, and it was a Friday night and i had actually gone to a gathering of some friends, um, in, in their backyard. And I had told my husband, I'm not going to drink. My husband's not a big drinker. Um, and he had driven, but, but I said, I'm not going to drink. Cause I drank too much last night. And within five minutes I was drinking mm-hmm. and you know what? I didn't have a bad time. I had a great time. Actually, it was a fun night. I didn't embarrass myself, but I woke up the next morning feeling kind of gross as I often did if I had too much to drink. and I said to myself, darn it, Jennifer, you couldn't even keep a promise to your husband. You couldn't even do like what this is it, you know? And I had done, like I said, I'd done dry January's. I, I had tried a couple of times to stop without a lot of success, but I had seen sober mom squad on the today show, which I don't mm-hmm. normally watch. So, you know, call it God, serendipity, the universe, whatever you feel comfortable with. But I happen to see them. And I had started following them on Instagram and I had seen some sober accounts on Instagram and also through just good fortune, God, again, whatever you want to call it, my neighbor and friend across the street, um, all had quit drinking about, I guess about two and a half years at that point prior. And she'd been pretty open about it with me. And I was on my bed and I texted her. I said, are you still not drinking? And she said, yeah, I'm not. It's great. I love it. And I texted her, I think I'm done. Mm. And there was this feeling for the first time before, when I had thought about quitting, it was like trying to picture infinity. How could I never drink again? Right. It was like impossible to imagine, but and it did still sort of feel impossible in that moment when I said, I think I'm done. But there was this feeling also of like excitement for the first time. Like, I wonder what this could do for me. And I sort of threw myself into recovery and the way that I kind of throw myself being sort of this overachiever type, I confess, I kind of followed that similar pattern with sobriety. I started, um, I joined sober mom squad. I started going to meetings. Um, I started listening to sobriety podcasts. Um, hello someday. And I know you've had Casey on your podcast was super important to me. I'd go on these long walks. Um, and I really embraced her, the bubble hour was also really mm-hmm. helpful for me. Um, the book, this naked mind by any grace that helped me actually understand why I was walking in my door at four 30 and going right to the refrigerator. I had trained my brain to expect that every yeah. day. And so sure, when you're going to try to stop that, it is hard at first because your brain, you've wired your brain. You have to rewire your brain and your body. So that book helped me tremendously. Um, and and really for me i think the game changer for me this time was that the idea of giving up alcohol seemed like a possibility it seemed Like it could be more positive than negative for the first time. It was still scary. And the beginning was still really hard. I was going to bed with chocolate covered pretzels. Um, I ate a lot of sugar in the beginning, which is totally normal. And in my opinion, it's totally fine. Um, I did a lot of sober treats. I was buying myself fresh flowers and scented candles and uh, hardback novels. (laughs) You know, I I was (laughs) doing all these things to reward myself for doing this difficult thing.
0: We can and still do that
1: now, right? I still do that now. Okay, I good. Still, yeah. Oh, I still believe in sober <laughs> treats for sure. I still believe in sober treats, but, um, the beginning for me was just about, and, and this is what Casey Davidson says on that podcast on hello Sunday, your only job is just not drink in the beginning, just don't drink and give your body and brain time to heal. And, and I did that for a few months and then, um, and then when I started to feel physically better and, and, and more sort of grounded in my sobriety, then the really great stuff starts to happen, which mm-hmm. I, I didn't even believe that people, you know, I've been in therapy in and out for, for most of my adult life for all kinds of things, my anxiety and my everything. But, um, you know, and so I thought, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty insightful person. I, I know myself, I just need to quit booze. Right. Um, and it wasn't until I quit alcohol that I realized all that work I'd been doing in the therapist's office, all that kind of self-reflection, not that it hadn't mattered. It didn't a great deal, but sobriety was like a power boost for all of that. It was like mm-hmm. a leveling up, you yeah. know, but that didn't start in the beginning, right? The beginning was just about get so the alcohol all. out of your body. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you did remove it, what, what were some of the benefits you started seeing? I mean, you kind of mentioned it was it was hard in the beginning. Sometimes yeah. we don't see those yeah. benefits right away. Yeah. But yeah. can yeah. you think of any that you started to notice?
1: Well, I will tell you. One of the biggest benefits and 16 months in, I am still not sick of it and still incredibly grateful for it is my sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it sounds like a small thing and it is a huge thing. Um, I have been a, a problem sleeper my whole life, even before I started drinking as a kid, I was such a worrier and insomnia has battled, I've battled it a lot. Um, but I didn't realize how much alcohol was screwing up my sleep. And, you know, even if I would try to take a night off, you know, I, if I had, you know, had too much to drink on Wednesday, well, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink on Thursday, but my body was still healing from that. I wasn't getting the benefits of sober sleep really until I started going multiple days without it. And really within that first week, the deep and restorative sleep that I was beginning to really experience, um, was, a game changer in every way. And I didn't realize I, I, I just sort of tricked myself and I'm a bad sleeper. I can get by on four hours. Um, and, and it wasn't until I started getting deep real sleep, uh, you know, sure. I might wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom cause I'm 45 years old and I've had a baby and that's just what happens, but now I can go right back to sleep. Yeah. I don't have this waking up at three a m with anxiety covered in sweat, googling am I an alcoholic on my phone, staying up for two hours? Yeah. You know that's not happening anymore. And so sleep has been probably honestly one of the very best rewards. um physically, I just feel better. my um my blood work has improved, my blood sugar, my a one c fell dramatically, which I didn't realize was possible um and then other benefits these are the more like the deeper benefits that don't really begin until or did, they didn't begin for me until many months in um was all of a sudden realizing what real self care was for me and that word gets tossed around so much that it's lost a lot of meaning um but for me what i began to realize was well once you remove the reason once you once i removed the reason that i was drinking i had to deal with those things right mm-hmm well, I'm drinking because I said yes to helping out on this committee that I don't really want to help on. And I feel compelled. Or I said, I'm drinking because I told so-and-so I would help her with this, but I really don't have the time or I just don't want to. And I feel like a bad person if I don't say yes. So I have to, once I removed the alcohol, I was forced to realize those things. And suddenly I started drawing boundaries. I started Mm. saying, no, I get a lot of requests as both an author and a teacher. And, and as a mom, we all get requests for things all the time. And suddenly I was like, Oh, I can say no. I mean, not suddenly, but over time, I remember one of the first times I said no to a volunteer request, I like screen captured it And sent it to some of my like sober mom friends, like, look, I said no. And that sounds like so small, but when you've been a people pleaser your whole life and you've done nothing but say yes over and over, um, you know, it's, it's a real gift to be able to say, Hey, you know what? I want to take time for me for the things that really matter. My writing, my creativity, my family, you know, just getting to um, sit in a chair and look out the window if I want. And yeah. being okay with that and like, not feeling like I have to be constantly producing or doing to prove something of some my worth, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and coming up with a reason that doesn't need to be explained. I mean, my mom, yes. the one thing I always love is she's always the one she would never lie. And so mm-hmm. if you don't want to go somewhere, just say you have plans. No one needs to know what your plans are. No one yeah. needs to know that you're sitting in your chair right. looking out the window. You're busy. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's right.
1: And I have said no to certain social engagements that I just, I didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to make awkward small talk. I wasn't in the mood. I I had had a really busy week and I needed that weekend to recharge. So I can't make it. And, um, you know, it, it, for someone like me, who's kind of been you know, trained from various forces, you know, culture and family and so society to, you know, that it's my job to please others and it's my job to make them feel c- comfortable. And part of that is my own personality, right? Like I'm a teacher for a reason. Like I I think by nature I'm somebody that likes to help and is mm-hmm. a nerd like I love I I love my job. Like I love being there for my kids. I love being there for my family. And so but I think what was happening was that I was sending that into overdrive out of a feeling of obligation after a while. And then, right. you know, you don't, I don't want anyone to do anything for me out of a sense of obligation. Why, totally. you know, like I don't want that for myself. I don't think other people want that for me. Um, They'd rather want me, they'd rather want me there sincerely wanting to be there and sincerely wanting to show up for them. Yeah. And so having that realization, like all of a sudden I had my evenings free and I could read a good book or do yoga or, You know, like before I quit drinking, I used to do this thing where I would, uh, my husband is very good at actually doing downtime, right? And he is, he's like my type B to my type A. And he used to encourage me, like, you need to take time, you need to rest, whatever. And so my husband would be listening this before I quit, he'd be in the living room listening to music or whatever. And I'd come into the living room with him with my laptop and a drink and my to-do list and my planner. And I would be working and I would be drinking and I would tell myself I was relaxing because I was in the same room as him (laughs) while he was actually relaxing. And, um, you know, and then I would, you know, pour another drink or ask him to pour me another drink. And, you know, that, that was a routine for many years. And, um, you know, now I don't do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it funny? I know. And, I'm laughing as you're saying that because just the other day, my husband came home and I was laying on the couch, which I never do. Like I, I am working on that. I'm working on simplifying yeah. and taking time, but yeah. he looked at me and he goes, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Do you, you, you have COVID <laughs> <It was> instantly, <laughs> instantly. You are sick. Something is wrong. Right, like mom right. does not lay down on the yeah. couch at five yeah. o'clock. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like but- I'll
1: take a Saturday now to do nothing. And I'll, and and I'll be like, uh, hey, I'm not doing anything. Look at, and he's like, I'm so proud of you. Like, oh, <laughs> I love it. I love always, it. He's like, that's oh, growth.
0: that is growth. Yeah, it's I it's mean, huge
1: growth for me. Huge. It is huge growth. Yeah. Huge oh, growth.
0: I took a picture of my big old, you know, dry erase calendar that we have in the uh-huh. hallway and yeah. August is, is pretty empty. And I sent yeah. it to my mom and I was like, look, like, right, hallelujah, right. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting yeah. to it. But, Absolutely. Um, oh, so much good stuff. Um, I'm looking, I'm totally cheating and peeking at my notes. That's Um, okay. Go for it. I would, I'd love to talk more about your writing briefly. Mm -hmm. Um, So you wrote your first one while you were still drinking. And since then Mm -hmm. you've produced other books and I'm curious Mm -hmm. how sobriety has impacted your writing. Like if you have had to, you know, change your routine or if Mm -hmm. you have more Mm -hmm. writer's block, less writer's block. Mm -hmm. Share whatever yeah. you'd like, but I'm curious how it has changed.
1: Yeah. So I think for me, the biggest thing, so my writing journey has been, as I said, such a gift. I'm a lifelong writer. I have, I have written since I was a little girl. Um, the the path to publication wasn't easy. I, I wrote two novels that were good enough to get me an agent, but they never sold. Um, my first novel, The Truth About Alice was really my third book, but um, the first one that, you know, was, uh, was purchased by a publisher um, and so it took seven years, actually, from the time that I first started thinking I wanted to try to publish a book to actually holding my first novel in my hands. um so um, my writing when I think about things that i that sobriety has helped me realize i I don't want to do, um sobriety helped me realize how much I do want to write and how much mm-hmm. that part of me um that needs to be prioritized. Um, and, uh, I have found actually, so I, my seventh young adult novel will be coming out next year. It's called down came the rain and it's about two, um, teenagers grappling with, um, climate change with eco anxiety. It's set here in Houston after hurricane Harvey. Um, and I, that was, um, to be honest, I didn't, drink a lot when i wrote the actual act of writing it and, and of course there's all these stereotypes of the alcoholic writer um and and but i actually rarely drank while i was writing i was usually clear headed in those moments mm. um and i think because when i was writing i was getting a, uh, i was getting a natural like good high right mm-hmm. like i yeah. i felt you know and so um I'm not saying I never did, but it, I I, you know, that this whole like joke of right write drunk at it sober, which, you know, I never, I never fell prey to that, even in my heavier drinking days. I always wrote with a clear mind. And so I think what's happened with sobriety, um, I wrote Down Came the Rain after I had gotten sober. I wrote that last primarily last summer. Um, and it was a hard summer. My mother-in-law fell and broke her hip and there was just a lot going on in our lives. And um, but I was able to through sobriety, you know, focus on that and get that done by the deadline that I needed to get it done for my mm. editor. Um, but now what sobriety is doing for me is it's pushing me to ask myself what I really want to do with my writing. Mm. And so I started writing young adult novels when I was in my early 30s. I'm 45 now. Um, it has been such a gift to write for teenagers. I have loved it. I've loved every minute of it, but I am starting to wonder if maybe I want to try something a little different. And so I've actually been working on some other projects and, um, they're just really for me right now. I haven't actually, um, you know, done anything with them other than just writing for myself, but after being under contract with a publisher for almost 10 years, um, it's been kind of fun and freeing to be able to just write for myself again. And it's really been sobriety that's pushed me to ask the question, like, what do you want to defer? What do you really want to do? Mm -hmm. You've published seven YA novels. You've said a lot that you want to say. Um, Maybe you want to try something a little different. And so again, I really credit quitting drinking with kind of pushing that creative energy in a new direction, which is again, it's a little bit scary. It's a little sure. bit uncertain. I don't know if, if, if any of this stuff that I'm working on now will ever get published, but I'm at the point where i I really don't care. Cause don't I'm care. just having fun as my creative energy is feeling like it's doing what it's supposed to be doing right now.
0: Yeah. Oh, so. I love that so much. And, yeah. um, I was smiling through that whole thing because, um, I could see that being very common. I mean, for any creative, really. I mean, Mm -hmm. my dad um, is a screenplay writer. And Mm -hmm. so, and he kind of switched up his genre and tried writing a book and did that. And you know, as of late, you know, I'll always ask him, what are you working on dad? You know, like, let me know. And, and the, I don't know, just the last time I asked him, he responded with just some some fun writing, like Mm -hmm. nothing. And I Mm -hmm. could sense just this, again, just this calming, Mm -hmm. you know, um, feeling of being able to write just to write and not having the deadlines and not having Mm. the rewrites and get me Mm -hmm. this by then. And, and I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that can spill over to all of what we were just talking about, mm-hmm. just yeah, just do what brings you joy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. be aware of what the universe is putting in front of you, you know, those right. opportunities, but right, do what makes your heart happy, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah.
1: so I'm, I'm glad you asked about that because I definitely think that it's, um, it's definitely pushed me in a, in a positive direction to really think about, you know, at 45, you know, uh, I, you know, writers were not runway models. So as long as my brain is sort of working and I have a, an ability to get the words in my head onto a piece of paper, like, uh, you know, I can write. So I'd like yeah. that journey to continue for a long time because it brings me joy. So, um, you know, just again, being sober gives me some clarity to be able to figure out the next part of this journey. Absolutely, as, as, a, as an artist.
0: So I'm curious, as a as an author, I'm sure you never get asked this, but people <laughs> people that uh you know, have that feeling that they should write something, have Mm -hmm. that interest in, in becoming, maybe not becoming a writer, but exploring creative writing and stuff. Where do you tell them to start? I mean, is it the simple act of just write, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, to be, to be, um, to be clear, I think that, you know, people ask me about writing sometimes. And so I always tell them, well, there's writing and then there's the publishing world and they're two Mm -hmm. very different things. Right. So, um, you know, how do I become a published author? is a um, is a is a totally different journey, right? It's a totally sure. different. I mean, obviously, it involves writing, but it's it's a different. You know, um, it's a different. Uh, kettle of fish that, you know, involves all kinds of, you know, finding an agent and, you know, what's, what's the market say and what's marketable right now. You know, I remember when I was trying to get my first book published, it was when everybody was reading about vampires and nobody wanted to publish, you know, <laughs> contemporary fiction about just like some girl in high school who wasn't a vampire. Um, and so, you know, like there, it's, it's, a it's a different world. So there's the publishing questions. And, and actually that's a, that's, um, kind of a boundary that I've drawn for myself in sobriety, which is that I used to get questions from people. Well, how do I, and now I say, you know what, I just, you have to find other, like, I can't shepherd every good for you. uh, You know, I can't because I would, I would never sleep. Right. I would Mm -hmm. try. And this is what I used to do. I would be up answering 30 emails. You know, can you talk to my cousin's friend about, no, I'm sorry. I can't, I cannot, (laughs) you know, they're going to have to find it. And, and at first I felt guilty, but Um, but then I realized, no, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to answer everybody's, you know, questions on that. So there's the publishing world, which is another thing, but as far as writing, I do think everyone has the ability to put words on paper and Mm -hmm. certainly the whole notion of, of gratitude, journaling and morning pages, which comes from the artist's way. I cannot remember her, the, the woman's name off the top of my head. Um, but this whole idea of writing, um, as a way of healing or making sense of the world or, or just puking up your guts, (laughs) your emotional guts. I'm a big believer that we can do that. And in fact, as a teacher, I start every class with a journal, with a journal Mm. exercise that sometimes has nothing to do with what we're learning in terms of, you know, the academics, but it might be something like, you know, When's a moment you overcame something you were afraid of? Or um, what's something you'd like to get better at? Or um, just what's on your mind today. And I give the kids a few minutes at the beginning of every class to free write. And I don't read their journals. Um, That's sort of their private space. So I'm a big believer in in writing being something that can help us heal and process. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's and that's true for everybody, I think. You know, I think anybody can benefit from that, whether or not they want to eventually, you know, become a published author.
0: Right. Oh, and what a healthy exercise to have in the classroom and that you don't read it. No, I don't. I don't read it. Yeah. And what I, what I do is, and
1: I've done this ever since I was my very first year, I started teaching middle school and I used to have the red carpet of courage, which I, I got from another teacher, uh, that, that term. And I would have them come up if they wanted to share on the red carpet of courage and they'd read, mm. but they didn't have to read. Now, high schoolers do not want to get up on the red carpet of courage. Um, but what I do is once every term, I'll just do a quick, like flip through your journal. I don't read it, you know, just quick, quick, quick. Okay. I can see you're keeping a journal. It's a 100 in my grade book, you know, so it's like an easy 100, but I don't read it. Um, to so sort of give them that space. And, yeah. and I have a a lot of kids tell me at the end of the year that they really liked it. And, and I tell them save your journals, you know, when you're 30, you're going to want to go back and see what you wrote when you were 16.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. Oh, so good. Um, I had a couple more. Um, you mentioned that one of your books and I know this, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. turned into a Netflix show, a Netflix movie. Yeah. And I was curious as, as the writer, uh-huh. I mean, when you're writing, do you picture the characters in your head, looking a certain mm-hmm. way, acting, mm-hmm. of course, acting a certain way. Yeah. And when it gets produced into something big, like what mm-hmm. that feels like, you yeah. know, the <laughs> actors so match surreal. the characters. Yeah. I yeah, mean, what was yeah, that? Yeah. What was that like?
1: Um, that was truly one of the most surreal and wonderful experiences of my life. Um, in, in which this is the book Moxie, my, mm-hmm. uh, my sort of why a riot girl feminist rebellion novel, which I love, oh God, love, love. I I, oh, thank you. And I had so much fun writing that book and, um, just the book of my heart. And I was into riot girl and all of that when I was young. And, um, so yes, with that book and with all my books, I, I get a movie in my head. Um, my writer friend, Julie Murphy always says that she, um, imagines her books before she starts to write them like movie trailers in her head. And, and I kind of am the same. And so, yes, I, I have images in my head. And then of course, when you know Amy Poehler directed this which she was like the perfect person to do this when she directed it for film it really in a lot of ways it matched up with what I imagined in some ways it did not um but I think what I did when when I knew she was optioning it I knew she was going to do a great job with it and I knew that she was going to make it her own creation and so um it, it was its own thing but at the same time I thought it really reflected the book in some ways it was, it was different. Right. Um, but I was so pleased with that whole adaptation. It was, it was right. a really exciting, um, thing to have happen. And I got to go visit the set. And, uh, if anyone's an Amy Poehler fan, I can tell you, she's one of the nicest people oh. I've ever met. And like within five minutes, you forget she's famous and she's just like,
0: you know, it's just, she's, yeah, she's,
1: yeah. she's <laughs> so just <great>. real, <laughs> Yeah. Very real, very down to earth.
0: I imagine that. Oh, yeah. and I I laughed, um, not laughed, but I, I laugh when I think about it. My brother is he's gonna kill me if he ever listens to this, but he <laughs> he will be 33 next week. Uh-huh. And he is the one that told my sister and I about Moxie because Aww. I, you know, being a mom and doing all the things yeah, I rarely yeah, yeah. sit down for Netflix anymore. But yeah, he was like I think you guys should watch this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how funny that, you know, my 33 year old baby brother is the one that tells me about this amazing movie. And I remember writing him, like, it's so good. Oh, that's so um, cute. Yeah.
1: My students were like telling me there were like moxie filters on TikTok, and I am not on TikTok. I'm like, okay, well, is that a good thing? They're like, yeah, that's great. It's (laughs) so amazing. It is. It's Uh, really, it's a very strange thing. And, um, It was wonderful, but I will say this kind of connecting it to sobriety for someone who is pretty introverted and, um, and does kind of like, it is, and I'm not saying I don't wish it would have happened. Trust me. I'm thrilled that it did, but it is a bit strange to, to all of a sudden feel like this thing that you wrote in, in your house at the dining room table, you know, and, and Moxie, you know, it was, um, my, you know, it was my fourth book. And so, um, I didn't, you know, at this point, I, I knew it was going to end up in the hands of readers. It wasn't like, I never thought anyone would read it, but, um, you know, I never thought it would blow up like it did. And so it's, it is a bit odd, you know? And so, you know, there is this element of like, oh gosh, like, you know, what if people don't like the movie or whatever, you know, it it kind of, it got a little overwhelming and, and sometimes those moments, um, you know that th- those stressful moments right like that's when i would also turn to alcohol right sure, like oh my sure. goodness right you know like i remember uh, you know what i'm going to just go ahead and share this um I-, I had a phone call with amy Poehler and my agents um before you know when she pitched herself to me like i want to buy your book like i'm going to say no right oh but she pitched herself to me well i had a drink before the phone call because i thought how on earth can i possibly have a conversation with her without having alcohol, right? Like yes. I had one drink, but like, you know, it's so funny to me now because, um, you know, I kind of wish I hadn't done that because now what's mm-hmm. something I've learned through sobriety is feel the feeling, right. Yes. Whether it's good or bad or intense or not, or whatever, like just feel that feeling. Like you don't need to, you don't need to dull it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, just kind of just thought, had that memory of, of having wow. that phone call. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think anyone listening would have been like, Oh yeah, I would have in the same. <laughs> right, I mean, right, what, right, right. How do but you how sit there and have are, that? Right, yeah. how quick we are to do that now. You know, we're
1: in that whole culture of just like self-medicate and drink, and um, you know, and it's all and, we
0: know. You know, I mean, they right, sit there and tell you, right. oh, let's chill out with a glass, yeah, or yeah, let's celebrate right, with a glass. It's always right. kind of the answer to anything. When yeah. really, it's like you said. What if I just sit here and yeah, feel these feels right, and right. know that, yeah, this is crazy. And I might yeah. be uncomfortable and mm-hmm. nervous and excited. Right. And
1: but, but it'll, it'll be an experience, right? It'll and that's, an experience. Yeah, yeah, it'll
0: pass. Oh, yep. 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 Well, thank you, thank you for sharing all yeah, of that. Of oh course. my gosh, so of exciting course. and amazing and interesting. Um, I have just a couple more questions. Yeah, of course. So I'm peeking at my list. I keep it real here, and total yeah, know that I have papers in okay. front of me. No, no, hey, hey no <laughs> well, worry. All the notes. Um, yes. Tell me, tell me what's ahead. So you mm-hmm. are still writing. You're still teaching. Yes. Yes. And I always like to mention, you know, in my notes it says, you know, what what accomplishments and what things, what what's on your bucket list is next, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it could be nothing. I mean, that could yeah. be a goal. And I'm, yeah. I'm curious what yours is.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I'm heading into my 18th year in the classroom. And I think um, you know, the past two years for teachers, you know, it's it's a huge accomplishment for me that I made it through the last um year and a half because I quit. March of, of 21. So I made it through that spring and then all of last school year sober. Um, and I consider that an enormous accomplishment because if anyone is a teacher that's listening these past two years with COVID have been just so hard on, on, on teachers, they've been awful on parents too, as a mother, I know. Um, so, uh, going into my 18th year sober. Um, I'm I'm just excited about that. I'm proud of that. And, and continuing to prioritize, it's such a, you know, work-life balance. Like, what does that even mean? But like, really continuing to prioritize the things that matter. And for me, that's reflecting on my teaching practice and being a, the best, not the best teacher I can be every day, because I can't be the best every day. And what does that even mean best? But like, being a teacher that's growing and learning always and mm-hmm. trying new things right so i want to prioritize that i want to prioritize some of this creative writing that i've started doing this summer whether it ever gets published or not i have no idea um and i want to prioritize like time with my family with my husband and son and and real downtime for myself mm-hmm. um you know like and and that means like okay i'm going to schedule a saturday where i have nothing on the list except maybe like read my read a book I'm enjoying or go on a walk with my husband and son and like not do anything else you know and that's okay so I think just really trying to because I think what I would do I was the kind of person like I've actually this summer I and I've been tempted a couple of times but this summer I have refused to let myself make a to-do list um because I used to do that. I used to, in a compulsive way, list everything, you know, and, and so then, you know, I would write things down that I had already done so that I could cross them out and feel like I was worth something. Right. Um, and I'm not letting myself, I said, I'm not going to let myself do that this summer. I'm just going to do, I'm just going to listen to what my brain and my heart are telling me to do. And, um, cause I found what I used to do is I would do things. I would prioritize, like clean out the closets or something at the expense of, um, like writing creatively for myself. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think just continuing to try to be gentle with my type A self, I have a personality type I'm 45. That's not going to change. Right. But to be gentle with myself and to really try to listen to what my gut is telling me I need right now. Mm. Um, that's, that's what I'm hoping for as I move forward.
0: So good so good oh, <laughs> and I wish it was easier said than done yeah right too, oh yeah you know? and
1: but, that's why I you know part of my checking in is I still go to like two or three sober mom squad meetings a week They meetings thanks. are really they're still really critical for me um I, I don't know maybe there'll come a time where I can you know I'll just go to one a week or one every other week but for now i I need them pretty consistently and um and so that's you know definitely something I'm prioritizing too is making the time for those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I think to some extent, like I feel like I imagine this sober toolbox, which we all talk mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And I think, you know, in the beginning it is critical to fill that to the brim. For <laughs> sure. Everything that chocolate you covered pretzels. Everything. <laughs> um yeah. but each stage it kind of changes, you know. Yeah. And I'm glad yeah. that you brought up that even where you're at in your sobriety, mm-hmm. you still go to meetings. Like you still yeah. do the work. Yeah. I mean, the work doesn't yeah. stop. It changes. And it gets right. easier, but right. um, not to just completely check out of everything, you yeah. know, make yeah. sure that you still are, are connected in some way, I feel like. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, this has been so, so fun. Um, I'm sad to see this last question come up not not on my to-do list but on my list right (laughs) but I've um, enjoyed
1: our time together Jess I just want to say that before you ask your last question but yeah
0: me too um but my last one on the list is is always my favorite because I get so many different amazing answers no pressure um but to (laughs) to the one or many that are listening right now and feeling inspired to make a change what Mm -hmm. advice would you give them Okay. So what I would tell, if I could give like two pieces of advice,
1: if that's okay. The one is that (laughs) the one is that our culture tells us that you need to be, um, you know, at some rock bottom to quit drinking, that you need to be like living in a gutter and have lost everything. And, and please know I stand in solidarity with people that have been in that place because they are, those folks are part of the community too. But you don't, and I think these folks would agree, you don't have to get to that place. I I may never have gotten to that place. I Odds are probably never would have gotten to that place. That doesn't mean that alcohol isn't something that you would benefit from removing, like that it would benefit you to remove it from your life. So you, this this story that we hear that there's this tiny little group of people and they're the unlucky ones and everybody else, you know, you can drink. Like you don't have to reach some leaving Las Vegas rock bottom to benefit from taking alcohol out of your life. So I would say that's one piece of advice. And then the second piece of advice, again, cult the culture tells us, you know, 95% of us can all drink normally. And there's this sad 5% that just can't do it. And I frankly even used to be one of these people that thought this way. And I would hear, oh, they're sober. And I would, you know, oh, well, good for them. Right. I, you know, I would I knew the right response was well, good for you. And inside I would think to myself, wow, sucks to be them. They'd have to stand in the corner with their diet coke while the rest of us have the real fun. How unbelievably wrong I was right um in all honesty my life has improved so much so dramatically in ways I did not in- anticipate the quality of my health mental and physical have it it's improved so much because I have stopped drinking and it's like laura McCowan says the title of her book we are the luckiest right mm-hmm. you you are not going to be the sad person in the corner with the diet Coke you because you decide to quit drinking. Your life can unfold in amazing and wonderful ways if you decide to take the step, if you think that it's the right step for you. Um, and so that's that's what I would say is it's not a life of deprivation and sacrifice. The beginning is hard. I would never deny that. But if you can get through that rough beginning, it, it can be rough for some of us. It's, it's just amazing on the other side. It's like that old saying, um, I think Jen Elizabeth from Sober Mom Squad says is. If it were as hard in the beginning, if it was always as hard in the beginning as it is, like the whole time through, like no one would do it, right? Mm-hmm. The beginning is tough, but it gets so much better, and the rewards are so worth it. So that's what the climb. Say.
0: It's the climb. Yeah. I picture a mountain, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. as cliche right. as it is, but yeah, it's hard as hell. Yeah, but when you get to the top and you see mm-hmm. the view, I mean, right?
1: It's it's so worth it's it. So worth it's it. like, and I really am, and it's hard. It's it's it's, it's like hard to even believe that I. I could never imagine this, but I, I am at the point and I'm not saying I don't get the occasional craving. I do every it's normal, but I'm at the point now, 16 months in where I, I don't want, I don't, I actually kind of go, Oh, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't want it. Like I, I wouldn't even want, I don't, it doesn't appeal to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never thought I'd be able to say that, but it's true. It's really yeah. true.
0: It is so true. So yeah. true. Oh, Jennifer, this has been so fun. I think oh, I already just, said thanks. that, but I really mean it. And <laughs> I you. am just so thankful that you agreed to come on, especially when you were talking about how many boundaries you've put up. I mean, I feel honored that you well, carved you know out the time.
1: I- I'm telling you what. I'm telling you what. I do. I do as a as a writer and author. I've gotten so many like, can you be on my podcast? Again? Sure. And and again through sobriety, I've had to say, hey, look, like, because if I said yes to every single one, I I wouldn't have the time. But this yes, it, this is a, a sincere yes. It means a lot. It <laughs> I really, really does. wanted to do it, and I was honored to do it. So, Jess, thank you so much. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm gonna have to sign off and go finish because I actually I told you in the beginning when we weren't recording that I started your book and don't let me mess it up. But it's bad girls never say die. That's it. That's and it. I am hooked. I am oh, only, I think I'm only at <laughs> chapter six, but uh-huh. you know I was laying on the couch with my nose in okay. my book last night and oh I'm excited. Well, I, I
1: I try to write that one to be a page turner. It's my homage to the outsiders. So if you're a fan of the outsiders or um, it's, it's kind of that fast paced, you know, girl gang, so 1960s good. vibe, hopefully. So,
0: so good. You're an amazing yeah. writer. I'm not oh, just saying thank that you I'm hooked. Thank you. And, um, if people want to get in touch with you, um, mm-hmm. I, 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 want them to be respectful. So I know that, you know, oh, yeah. you will not, but I, mean, <laughs> I may they, not respond to every DM, but, <laughs> uh, but I'll, you know, I, yes, that's what no. I was getting at. But if they <laughs> want to check out, like, do you have your website and your books yeah. and how do they, how do they find all of that? So my author website is
1: jennifermattieu.com and that's M is in Mary, A, T as in Tom, H is in Harry, I, E, U, jennifermattieu.com. And then um, I, one thing sobriety has helped me do is I'm limiting my time on social media. Um, but Instagram is the best place to find me. Um, and I'm at Matthew. Um, I'm taking a little summer break from Instagram, but I do like it. I think it's, and also the sobriety accounts on there are really helpful for me, including yours, Jess. So, um, so that's typically where people can find me. I do have a Twitter and a Facebook, but I don't, uh, to be frank, I'm rarely on there and I don't check it very often. So, um, Instagram at author Jen Mathieu is the best way to find me. Perfect.
0: Perfect. Well, I'll have all that in the show notes and, um, I just hope to stay in contact with you. I really love love you and um, (laughs) appreciate this chat today. Oh, Jess, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to decidedlydry.com. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, If the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.